So there's there there are two possibilities going on here. One, you're you're bringing up a term that I have never heard before. The the other possibility is that this is a term I've heard before, but it involves a language that uses pronunciation that's different from Latinate, and so you have no idea how to say it properly. It's an intensely 80s post-apocalyptic schlock film. Oh, and schlong film. You know, it's been over 20 years, but spoilers. Oh, okay. So, so the resident Catholic thinking about that, we're going for low Earth orbit. There is no rational here. Blame it on me after. And you know I will. I mean, it is two o'clock in the fucking morning where I am. I don't think you can get very much more homosexual panic than that. No, which I don't know if that's better. I mean, you guys are Catholics. You tell me. I'm just kind of excited that like you and producer George will have something to talk about that basically just means that I can show up and get fed. to the real world. My name is Ed Laylock. I'm a world history and English teacher here in Northern California. And uh, this week, uh, my son actually joined us in our monthly Pathfinder game. Uh, <laughs> at the end of uh, our last uh, game session, uh, previously, he he's uh, kind of jumped up and, and when uh, my wife or I have a role to make, he'll he'll click to roll uh because we're using roll 20 on the on the computer we're playing virtually now and um so he's he's been you know making rolls for his mom or his role rolls for me um and after our last session i was fiddling around with hero forge uh to work on my character's avatar for the game um and he saw me doing that and he was like daddy daddy can i make a character and uh for the campaign i have not started running yet i had actually already tried to make uh self-insert versions of our whole family so there there was already a him i had made and i showed that to him and he said oh well but uh, I want to, I want to, I want to do this guy. And in Hero Forge, he clicked on the lion folk uh, species mm-hmm. uh, uh, figure uh, and changed his 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 avatar into a lion folk. And he was like, "Oh, that's cool." And then we added a little dragon hatchling coming out of its egg onto his base, and he was all stoked. And. So my wife, the genius that she is, said, you know, maybe you ought to check with our, our game master about whether there's a way that we can, you know, actually, you know, find a way to have a character there for him to play. And I talked with my GM about it and he was like, oh yeah, no, um, I, I have the perfect idea. Um, and he said, have you ever heard of the character Ryoga Hibiki? 
and I blinked and I said, yes, I have. Um, and he said, well, whenever Robert gets tired or, you know, loses, loses his attention span, doesn't want to, doesn't want to play anymore, or, you know, has to go to bed because he's five. Um, his character is cursed so that he turns into a pot-bellied pig, which is Ryoga Hibiki. That's, that's his curse. He turns into a pot-bellied pig or a young martial artist. And I was like, that's brilliant. And the pot-bellied pig can be his mom's character's, you know, beloved mm-hmm. pet she finds at some point. And mm-hmm. there we go. Well, so... Um, last night was our game night rolled around and, uh, he, he joined us and he, uh, when, when combat finally rolled around, it wound up being a very investigation and role-playing heavy session. When combat finally rolled around, his turn came up and no kidding, his very first roll out the gate for an attack was a natural 20 that because this pathfinder first edition the the critical was confirmed and he wound up doing like 17 points worth of damage uh to a ghoul that you know promptly died um in in dramatic fashion and he got to tell all of us exactly how the ghoul you know clutched his chest and and fell over and he was stoked he was so excited Mm -hmm. so yeah his his very i almost feel bad for him because on the one hand that's awesome on the other hand like it ain't all gonna go that way Mm -hmm. um we've we've made the remark within our game that really actually the biggest villain is the number randomizer on roll 20 because uh there are some nights that literally everybody in our group has a hard time rolling higher than 10 Mm -hmm. on anything on a d20 but yeah so that was that was very cool and he was very excited and very happy he was also very disappointed when the fight ended and we called the session for the evening um he was even more disappointed when he then found out that no no kid you've been up two hours past your bedtime it's it's mm-hmm. it's now you, you get to go to bed now <laughs> so but yeah so that's what i've had going on how about you dude i'm stoked for you i'm also selfishly stoked because this means that that on some Sundays, we could have a get-together of Blaylock Harmony. Mm. And I could I could craft things, and you could be your yeah, son's you familiar. Go. Nice. His sidekick. Nice. He can have the day off. Yeah. Go to Target yeah. and not yeah. spend any leisure time of her own and just do things for the house, because apparently that's how some people relax. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, I mean, let's off air. We're going to talk about this. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm Damien Harmony. I am a high school U.S. history teacher up here in the Northern California area. Um, And uh, I I showed my kids because as of this recording, tis the season to be spooky. Um, But neither of my kids particularly appreciates that. Like they, they my son is especially sensitive to suspense. Um, okay. My right. daughter likes the idea, but like the lo- like the moth to the flame, like she okay. likes it, and then it freaks her the hell out. Like yeah, okay. she never finished Jurassic Park. She okay. stopped right as the the Velociraptors were cornering them in the lobby. I'm like, come on, oh. can we just watch one more minute where you see it resolved. <laughs> no. So. Yeah. All right. But she's drawn to it too, which which makes okay. me worry about her her dating future. Um, but <laughs> um, but that being said, 
we watched uh, the Twilight Zone episode, uh, Terror at 20,000 Feet. Oh, the original? The original. Shatner? And, and the, yes. And then okay. I, uh, right before we start recording, I showed them at least the first 20 minutes or so of the Twilight Zone movie. Yeah. That had the vignette. Right. right. And I noted John Lithgow. Yes. And I noted the uh, the narrator's voice for it. I said, you recognize that voice? And they're like, no. I'm like, but there was time now. Time enough at last. I'm like, oh, my God, that's him. Because it's Burgess Meredith narrating Yeah, yep. the the Rod Serling parts. Mm-hmm. So so that was fun. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. And Very I, cool. I now look forward to showing them the episode of Third Rock from the Sun. Where. John Lithgow's character. And Bill Shatner's character, both are getting off the plane and they are shook. Um, just because that's yeah, yeah. I talk about moments of of stunt writing. In, oh yeah, in so good network sitcom. Yeah, it's so amazing. Good. Yeah, so yeah. But anyway, so that's uh, that's what we got going on. I've also started right. showing them showing them the Batman movies. Um, so uh, we're about okay. halfway through the original Michael Keaton one, and I was okay. like, hey, did you notice the vulture? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, he never plays a character that doesn't fly. So. <laughs> so. All right. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, you got anything for us today? I I do not, man. Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah. well let me, I'm... let me, let me, let me just try this. Um, okay. Out of all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which one would you identify with the most? Identify with the most? Yes. Not aspirational, just not actual. aspirational, actual. Um, that's that's hard. Um, like the the first the first answer I have is Raphael. But okay, then that's I, that's the answer. Okay. Yeah, you got. I don't know how much of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's Raph. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I spent an inordinate amount of my time just kind of being unreasonably pissed about shit for no okay. good reason. And, and yeah. Which one do you wish you did not identify with the most? Raph. Okay. Well, not the most, but like, <laughs> yeah. which one do you wish you do? Which one do you regret identifying any part of yourself with? Put it that way. And it still might be Raph. Yeah. I, I, my, my secondary answer to that one is um uh damn it hold on casey jones april uh leonardo vernon stockwell okay leonardo Leonardo. okay um yeah go on the the um kind of had hidebound uh stick in the mud Mm -hmm, mm kind of aspects of his of his character sure sure yeah okay which teenage mutant ninja turtle do you wish you were the most like Hmm. That's a, that's a hard one. Just because. Well, okay. I I wish I was most like Splinter, but hmm. that's not the He's question. Not a turtle. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um. After my last answer, this mm-hmm. is going to sound weird, but Leonardo, because oh, he's the he's he like like Michelangelo is the heart of the team. Mm-hmm. But Leonardo is the team's uh, moral compass. 
Yeah. Like he's yeah. he's he's the, the noble one. And mm-hmm. so yeah. Okay. Yeah. And which Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle do you appreciate the least? Appreciate the least. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like people have their loyalties here, and I, I know that I'm I'm gonna make some people like there are gonna be some people that are shocked when I say this. I Donatello. Okay. Donatello. Just okay. just because I yeah. Okay. Cool. He just he just doesn't there's there's no Not part of thing. his character that I yeah. I connect with. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, uh there was an article written 4 or 5 years ago of um how to get someone to fall in love with you. And there was a series of like 21 30 questions or something that you okay. asked um the other person and they were designed to get them to open up in a specifically intimate way and essentially to okay. open themselves up to the possibility of intimacy with you okay not the not necessarily this will get you laid not even necessarily this will manipulate you into somebody but how to get a person to be most um on board with the idea that let's see if this works okay all right on that questionnaire none of these questions were um and i think honestly these four questions would have been better than most of the ones on that questionnaire yeah. Yeah. Now, having said that, my partner and I actually did read those questions early okay. in our relationship. We are madly in love. Okay. I think we were headed that way anyway. It's, but, it's, yeah. I, but, you know, yeah. it was a fun lark. Okay. So, so to answer the questions for myself, I most identify with Raphael. Okay. Uh, I really wish I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, actually, no. I identify most with Donatello. Okay. I wish I didn't identify with Raph. Okay. I wish I was most like Leonardo. And okay. I appreciate Michelangelo the least. Okay. Which is interesting. Because uh, yeah. of how different uh, we end up being. But uh, yeah. aspirationally, we're both paladins at heart. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but tonight's yep. episode, I already had it planned out. Yeah. Uh, so listeners are like, wow, he's really riffing. No, I, no, I don't. no, not for this. Um, tonight's episode is all about how the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are drawing on far more than archetypical foundations than most would expect and how that has influenced how we applied for jobs in the 1990s and the 2000s. Okay, I'm I'm intrigued. A second title would be The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are the four humors expressed through the New York immigrant experience. Okay. Yeah. I'm equally intrigued. All right. So in light of the fact that we're going to be talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's clear that we need to start with Alchemion of Croton. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like you do. I mean, it's it's obvious. Um, He lived in the 5th century BCE in what we'd now recognize as the bottom of the footpad of the boot of Italy. Okay. And although at the time they called it Magna Graecia, uh, it was an an Icaean colony, which was founded by Mycelis. And, you know, I'm going to Romanize these names, so probably Mycelis. Mm -hmm. um, The son of Alemon, who'd come from one of the original 12 cities of Icaea. Uh, I'm sorry, Ikaya. Ikaya. It's Ikaya. Diphthongs yeah. fuck me up. Yeah. Um, 
Hercules came to him in a dream and said to go forth and make a cool new colony for folks to live in. I think that's a direct quote. Mm. Um, and to seek out, quote, stone-filled waters of Isar and to make a new place. The laws at the time forbade such things because that's what a healthy society does. Um, and he was then put on trial. And magically, Hercules changed all the white pebbles to black or whichever order it was to vote him as innocent in the trial. Okay. He sailed away and found a burial mound of the guy Croton, uh, uh, whom Hercules had met like 40 years or so earlier. Croton was really cool with Hercules in a way that many people weren't, and he'd promised that there would be someone equally cool as him who would come and settle that area later and build a proper city. Mycellus was that guy, and incidentally, the guy who helped him found Croton was a guy named Archeos from Corinth. He okay. left after it was done, and he founded Syracuse, or Syracusa. Okay. Okay, so it's 710 BCE. And we're we're founding Croton. Got it. Okay, it's cool. Within two hundred years, it has about eighty thousand people in it. Oh wow! All which right, totally makes sense. It sits on or near the Isaros River. We would call it Isaro, uh, on uh, and on the coast. It's okay. an easy mid spot for merchants and travelers who are looking to get their goods up in the boot, uh, or to stop down before getting over to Sicily. Okay. All right. Sorry, my screen just went black. There we go. Um, the people were known for being hella strong there and living simply, uh, producing many Olympians, including the most famous Milo of Croton. Okay. Right. You know, the guy yeah. with the calf that turns into a cow, right? Yeah, right. He walks around the track. Okay. Now, because of where it was, there's lots of physicians famously coming from there. And lots of people who were famous for being smart began setting up schools there. You may have heard of a guy named Pythagoras. Okay. In about 530 BCE, he set up a school there. That's about okay. 19 years before Rome becomes a republic, by the way. Uh, it's yeah. about 50 years before the Battle of Thermopylae. And it's about 99 years before the start of the Peloponnesian War. Just, just so that we have some context. Got it. Got it. Now we'll get to the turtles soon. Now, uh, one one of the most famous students no, to come. No, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> By soon, never... I mean within we... three episodes. Okay. All <laughs> right. All right. Yes. If if we adjust the scales, if right. we should... Okay. <laughs> but no. Uh, one of the most famous students to come out of the Pythagorean school was Alc Alc Alcmaion. God, these Greek names. <laughs> um, they are kind of a bitch, aren't they? They really are. Like... Yeah, if you don't if you don't speak Hellenic Greek, like yeah, it's yeah. it's just and if it you sucks. speak yeah. Latin, you could see yeah. why the Romans were like, no, we're just gonna call it. <laughs> we're just Zeus. gonna we're like, just, it's, yeah, Jupiter, Theos Jupiter stuff. We're yeah, just done. Jupiter, yeah, yeah. yeah. um, not Theos oh, Pater. No, no, I'm Jupiter. I'm, so. I'm completely forgetting his name, but the uh, the uh, classics professor on TikTok. Oh. Uh, oh, long, oh, long haired, uh, long, long blonde haired guy. Yeah, uh, Professor Maxwell. Yeah, Maxwell. I, I kept wanting to say McClellan, but he's the mm -hmm. theology guy. Correct. Uh, <laughs> Professor Maxwell actually had a bit um, responding to, and I'm totally forgetting her name, but anyway, responding to somebody saying, Look, um, 
even classic scholars don't agree on on the on the pronunciation of of many of these names demeter or demeter i've heard both of them used in an academic context in the Mm -hmm. same conversation like don't even like you know nobody nobody knows now it's like getting angry that andrew jackson writes a word three different spellings in the same letter it's like that's what he does that's just it's just it's a thing yeah so alkmaion now, Alcmaion was a medical theorist uh, more than he was an actual physician. So already back then, you have guys who are like, oh, I, I don't actually touch the bodies. I just, it's, it's, I just, you know, you know I just yeah. opine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Theory now, guys. Yeah. yeah. Now, he studied diseases in a very systematic manner, though, relying on evidence and experimentation to make his conclusions. He was yeah. a fan of anatomical dissection, and he okay. actually gets credit for being the first a European physician to discover the eustachian tubes in the ears. Oh, all right. That's pretty cool. All right. Very forward thinking guy compared to what other people developed uh, based on his theories. Um, (laughs) And for all these, (laughs) for all these praises, Alcmaion's theories led to some really awful and stupid shit for the next 2000 years that sounded really good, despite being total and complete horseshit. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, a little bit of knowledge is a very dangerous thing. Yes, especially if it's spoken by someone who has the confidence of someone who is used to being known as being smart. Yeah. Because now all their energy goes Definitely. into that. Yeah. You know? uh, so he theorized that one of the reasons for us getting sick internally was because internally we were naturally inclined toward a state of equilibrium within our bodies. Balance okay. between what he called the four humors. Yeah. These humors all oppose each other, and that tension, that force, if you will, is what homeostasis really is. Thus, if we are sick, it's because we have too much of one and not enough of the others. Okay. the The reason this theory resonates with us is because he blended the practical with the intuitive in a way that a man being told how smart he is is prone to doing without any real reflection or testing these ideas over time. The practical concerns one must consider in humorism when trying to figure out why someone is sick are the environmental factors, the air you're breathing, the amount of movement and sunshine you're getting, the nutritional factors, which on its surface makes a lot you of know, sense. There's a there's a lot of modern medicine and even psychiatry that bear a lot of that stuff out. Like, are you getting enough exercise? Are you getting enough sunlight? Are, are you, you getting fresh right? air? Are you yeah. eating right? Like, yeah. You know, there there are whole internet memes about okay, look, I ate the green I, I ate the green stuff, I spent time under the bright, glowy thing in the sky, mm-hmm. I, I moved my limbs around, now make the goddamn happy hormone. Right. Like you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so those those are factors. Yes, they are. Comma, but yes. <laughs> So, you know, you, you then start to realize, like, if you really start to interrogate these things, like these mm-hmm. concepts, and and yes, sunlight is good, and vitamin D comes from the sun, and and all that. And yeah, moving around absolutely makes feel better, and you can absolutely influence, like, the outside margins of things. But honestly, you should probably also look into germ theory, and these guys didn't. Um, and <laughs> as a result, they go way the fuck off the rails. They're, they're literally more than a thousand years removed from, yes. from germ theory. Like, yes, the, the the idea of germ theory is so many universes separated from these guys. That, indeed, yeah. indeed. And yet like, at the same time, they're the reasons we have the name for it. Like, yeah. it's it's one of those like, 
how did you hit the ball so hard and you were just <laughs> three feet from and me go, and, go so, and go so far foul like yeah. like oh my god wow. you knocked it clean out of the park right on the wrong side of the foul line right or like, like oh my god you knocked the shit out of that thing like it is missing its skin like you hit it so hard you split its skin yeah and it is directly behind you like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you and, you you yeah. you you knocked a hole clean through the uh the chain link over over home plate when right you're, when you're you know playing right. at school like just you killed yeah. the announcer all right yeah i mean you hit it really hard <laughs> just, just not you yeah. went the wrong way yeah so interestingly, there's some strong debate as to whether or not those two terms first came up in Alcmayon's discussion of human health and influenced discussions of government or in the discussion of other philosophers when it came to the types of government mm. and their necessary components, uh, which then influenced his idea on human health. So chicken, egg, we don't know. Yeah. Okay. If it's the former, then it's entirely possible that Montesquieu's balance of powers meme that informed our founding fathers is a codification of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles long before they were brought into being. Okay. Now, Alcmayon had more than just the four that we've come to know. He included elements like we've known them through literature, all sorts of stuff, and eventually his theories get pared down to what we've come to know as the canon, as credited to Hippocrates. Yes. Now, Hippocrates said that they were, uh, that they were essential bodily fluids. Um, and a fun fact, the term that Alcmaion was using was was the ancient Greek word. And it's funny, as soon as I started typing it in Greek, no pronunciation problems. So, <laughs> okay. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, the Greek word uh, kaimos, um, which yeah. is Greek for uh, sap, juice, or flavor. Now, this is not to be confused with ikor. Uh, which is specifically the watery part of the juice or the watery part of the pus or blood or whey. Yeah. Anyway, Hippocrates took the rod and ran with it. The four humors, thank you. The four humors were blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile. Right. Okay. In short, as far as I could do so, um, (laughs) Hippocrates and later Galen said that an extreme imbalance of these four specific fluids in the body would lead to illness, whereas a minor imbalance could cause behavioral issues. Okay. So if you're just a little out of whack, you need a sneers. Yeah. Right? Okay. If you're really out of whack, you you have measles. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A research coordinator with a PhD in philosophy at New York College named... Uh, Constantinos uh, Kalakanis, uh, I didn't write it in Greek, yeah. um, he wrote an article in 2015 called The Hippocratic View on Humors and the Human Temperament. And in it, he attributed this quote to Hippocrates. So much more the expert than I. Okay. Quote, the human body contains blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile. These are the things that make up its constitution and cause its pains and health. Health is primarily that state in which these constituent substances are in the correct proportion to each other, both in strength and quantity, and are well mixed. Pain occurs when one of those substances presents either a deficiency or an excess, or is separated in the body and not mixed with the others. The body depends heavily on the four humors because their balanced combination 
helps to keep people in good health. Having the right amount of humor is essential for health. The pathophysiology or patho, pathophysiology of disease is consequently brought on by humor excesses and or deficiencies. Now, that's been attributed to Hippocrates by this expert. Okay. Obviously, this has easy analogs to the idea of the four elements, earth, air, water, and fire, and those yes. linkages were made often differently from each other through the next 2,000 years. Yeah. So shortest um, version possible, you could get sick because your your humors are out of, out of whack with each other. They need not only the right amounts in your body, but balanced against each other. Yes. If they are not mixing with each other and balanced in the right way, that's when you get sick. Okay. All right. Now, the thing that Galen brings to the discussion was that foods would encourage different humors. For instance, if you eat warm foods, you'll get more yellow bile. Cold foods will give you more phlegm. And later, others would respond to these and similar claims and either deepening them or amending them. And as the Hippocratic influence spread, partly due to Galen, partly due to others of that school of thought, so too did the foci of the humors. Some thought that one's environment was especially pertinent. Cities that were exposed to hot winds would lead to more gut trouble because that would cause the phlegm to develop in excess and run down the body from the head. Cold wind cities had higher incidence of lung-based issues, more eye issues, more nosebleeds, more acute headaches, more diseases, more bowel-hardening diseases. And of course, some of these physicians also added to this that if you live in a western city, you were just overall weaker and unhealthy and prone to all the things. Which they're Greek, okay. So their their ba- yeah, their bias will right. be antioxidant. Anti, yeah, okay, fair, all right. So if you could home in on the actual cause of an internal disease, find out which humors were out of balance and why, you could counter prescribe and get the person back to what the Hippocratic physicians began calling uh, eucrasia, the mildness of the air, rather than dyscrasia the bad temperament of the air. Okay. And vice versa, by the way, if your humors were, uh, if your humor were out of whack, you could expect specific illnesses as well. So if your nutrition and your environment and your lifestyle were good and you still got sick, then your humors were imbalanced and we have ways to fix that too. So if your yellow bile was too much, warm diseases. If your phlegm was too much, cold diseases. Cold diseases. All right. Galen specifically identified four temperaments in which... One of the qualities, warm, cold, moist, or dry, were dominant, and four more in which a combination of two, warm and moist, warm and dry, cold and dry, cold and moist, dominated. As such, you get the following, sanguine, choleric, Mm -hmm. melancholic, and phlegmatic. And that becomes the meme going forward to describe these combinations. Okay. The easiest way to do it is to just give you a list. So sanguine, and I, I'm doing it in 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 chronological order in the course of a year. If okay. you are sanguine, that is also the air. That is also the spring. Okay. It is a simple and naive soul. It's housed in the liver. It's warm and it's moist. If you are choleric, okay. you are fire. You are summer. You are a sharp and intelligent soul. You are the gallbladder. It is warm and dry. If you are melancholic, you are the earth. That is autumnal. Uh, That's autumn. A preserving and consistent soul. It's obviously the spleen. And it's cold and dry. Obviously. 
Yeah. And of course, phlegmatic would then be water. It would be winter, a soul with no influence one way or the other, and more of a reactive person, I suppose, and the lungs and the brain. And it would be cold and moist. Okay. So that's, that's the essential, like, boiled down to it. This leads, this is this, and this is this, you know. Okay. Um, yeah, we yeah. used to use uh, a certain model that a certain turf uh, gave us about boarding schools, but I just assume <laughs> not. Yeah. Um, but yes. Now, these then get ported over to personality and psychologically, uh, or psychology as well, because despite the thorough inaccuracy of any of this toward actual medicine, it mm. was very holistic and very convincing. Yeah. In the same way that, um, like, oh, that's such a Gemini kind of thing to do is, is, you know, it's, it's the same, it's the same kind of mindset as astrology. It's like, oh yeah, that's a very general set of characteristics. I can totally apply this to like everybody I know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that only happens, you know, when I'm talking to a Scorpio in retrograde or whatever. (laughs) Ah, funny. Yeah. Yeah. So Galen himself used these terms to identify bodily dispositions, which determined what diseases you were prone to getting, as well as behavioral and emotional inclinations and their connections back to those diseases. Now, I don't know about you, but this does sound kind of like, like, you know, well, people with certain body or blood types get such and such. Yeah. And is there data to support that? Yeah, there, there actually are data to support like certain blood types blood types yeah yeah, do have better resistances to certain things and what have you because there's actual chemistry involved in blood types well there's 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 like you can actually point to no no these are observable like physiochemical characteristics that that affect the way your body deals with diseases as opposed to this which is like well you know this feels like right oh you are melancholic sir so clearly be positive yeah. So, so someone yeah. who was phlegmatic, for instance, would be reserved, right? Yeah. Um, and as such, they were more of a winter and thus got more congestion diseases. Uh, a person person who was melancholic would be more prone to being depressed and get cancer more often. <laughs> Which I know that is such a cancer thing to say. That right? is that is so totally. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, just, could you imagine like, oh, the reason you have cancer is because you're melancholic. Oh, fuck. That's of no help whatsoever. That that does me no good because I have cancer and that makes me more melancholic motherfucker. Right. I like, that does me no good because I have cancer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm about to get very choleric with you. Yeah. Well, and speaking right of now, someone choleric could be seen as short tempered and ambitious and hot tempered even. Therefore, their diseases tend to be more prone to diarrhea, vomiting, and gallbladder issues, which make me so mad. I'm going to shit myself. I'm going to shit myself. You know, having having been that bad. Let that red rage flow. Like, like, oh, my God. Yeah. I'm just so mad I could puke. I could (laughs) just. Oh, wow. He's a fountain going both ways. He must be really choleric. He must be really pissed off. Yeah. (laughs) That's the only thing he's not doing. Right, right. right. He's not pissing. That's everything else is waterworks. Yeah. But (laughs) no, he's cry puking and shitting his pants all at once. He's that angry. I would be very angry if that was my night. I really would. (laughs) 
at that point, it'd be a chicken in the egg. Like, were yeah. you pissed off and oh, this yeah. happened because of that? Or did this start happening and oh. now you're like rage crying? Like, and let's what? be real. Like, my anger would be such a secondary emotion. I would be so scared <laughs> that I was vomiting. Yeah. I'm so frightened yeah. by this. <laughs> One of my children threw up just recently and they were like hella fine about it afterward. I'm like, I can't show you how terrified I am right now. I just have to clean this up. You go back away. But you just like calmly that... lived out my worst fear, like, or one of my worst fears. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh. I am scared to death of throwing up. Like, I have, I ate bad salami on a hike once. <laughs> and that night, all I had to do was was make an offering to the porcelain god make make an oral benediction yeah and i refused because i was i i get so scared so i laid on the tile floor with my back bare so that the pain of the cold hitting my kidney area and my qls would distract me from the nausea i was feeling until my body was like fine we're shitting it out <laughs> Four hours later, I went through four hours where like two minutes wow. of just chunder would have been fine. No, no, oh my you're God. going the other way. I don't care if you have to take a U-turn. I don't care. I don't care if you get stuck in a roundabout. Ooh, Big Ben Parliament. No, you were going the other way. Wow. And so having my child just live it out and like, seriously, I was like, you know, part of me is like, you couldn't have gotten to the bathroom. But the other part of me is like, how are you so chill about this? Like, <laughs> wow. How how are you not paralyzed with terror? Yes. How are you not yeah. screaming in fear right now? Like, wow. The only things that frighten me more are snails and slugs. And I know how much those things scare you. So yes. that's, that's <laughs> the holy cow. Yeah. So anyway, if okay. someone was sanguine, they would be jovial and social and very active. <laughs> Yeah. Um. And naturally, they'd have bleeding diseases. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, you look so happy. I am. Yeah. Oh, you're bleeding. I am. <laughs> I am. Also, so, they'd be ruddy complected. Uh, typically, yeah. You know, so, um, <laughs> florid, florid faced kind of kind of ruddy complexion. So. Yeah, sanguine, if you will. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So the way so, to help, yeah, I, go ahead, go ahead. I, I having having you know being being somewhat familiar with with these archetypes, you know, mm -hmm. uh, as as you know the, the medical explanations follow it. I never understood why the cheerful disposition was associated with blood. Oh, that's easy. And the rage filled disposition. <laughs> Was associated with with uh, black bile, right? right. Collar, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Collar, I uh, like so so. I I just it, it never made sense to me. Like one one would think bloody minded being such a convenient phrase that that you know the the the, the association would be well you know you you have an excess of the red stuff in your body and that's why you're pissed off all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, but yeah, no, it's it's I mean, that's, that's just my you are, about the whole. Thing. If you, you are cheerful, you are blushing. If you are cheerful, there's color in your lips. Okay, the blood has rushed to your face. Okay, but when you turn purple with fury, that's not the same thing. No. Okay, no, that's that's a 
a rising up of the spleen fluids. Um, wait, did I? No, I mixed it up. Yeah, I did. Um, no, yeah, that, that's a rising up of the gallbladder Gall. fluids. Yeah, because um, choleric is gallbladder, okay. and that, that's that, yellow that, bile. Oh, okay. It's yellow bile. Black, black bile is um, is is the spleen. Uh, yeah. Okay. Huh. And yellow bile, if you it, it also, you know, so it's associating with vomiting and stuff like that. Oh, right? Okay, right, that's yeah, the taste right. you get in the back of your throat when you're barfing. Okay, yeah. That bile, yeah. right? Yeah, look, that, that stinging, yeah. stinking smell in your nose. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna chunder just thinking about it. Oh my god! <laughs> please, Ugh. please block your camera when you do. <laughs> yeah, I'll be sure to. Uh, I'll be sure to cut off the video feed before yeah. I do that. So the way to help someone who had an imbalance would be to drain those excess fluids out of them. <laughs> so you're too happy. Come here. <laughs> Come here. I'll fix that right now. <laughs> right. I'm going to stab you. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, it, mm -hmm. so, so these, these ideas carried on into the early 1800s in the West you it know, was in, part in, of why George Washington died so miserably. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, they're like a, he needs more pus. Yeah, we got to drain that. So they dragged yeah. beetle carapaces across his neck so that he hived up and it burst open. Oh God, really? And then they gave him enemas. Yes, like he was shitting himself in the bed, pussing oh. from his neck. I believe oh they God. made him chunder. They bled him. They were trying they, everything, they were and it's all humor based. Oh Jesus. Yeah. I I knew that I knew that, you know, doctors dealing with with humor-based medicine had been what was responsible for in the end killing him. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't even what I was thinking of. Um in the Sharp series of novels, there's a villainous uh colonel uh who's just an absolute venal scumbum. Mm -hmm. Just a horrid horrid individual. And to modern audiences, one of the one of the cues that we get that this guy is, you know, like just off his rocker and and you know, violent, nasty, bad dude, is he has his personal physician with him, uh, who has uh the physician has a uh, uh an an inventor's uh kind of bent, and he has developed a machine specifically for more efficient bleeding. And the colonel is okay. is uh, regularly regularly for for the sake of his health and his vigor, he regularly gets himself bled, and and <laughs> it takes you the know fever we, out. we we yeah yeah and and we see him we see him uh, and and it gets described in in graphic detail how the doctor puts this box on his wrist mm -hmm. that essentially drags four razor blades across his okay. wrist you know you deep go. enough to deep enough to you know get a good blood flow going mm -hmm. uh and then and then bandages him up and like and everybody in the room is like oh well that's a little bit excessive but okay you know right. health nut right <laughs> no just that part right there oh look at the health nut yeah slicing yeah. his wrists open daily to, <laughs> to bleed a little it's like yeah and, wow. and and to a modern audience, it's like, oh my god, he's a fucking madman, right? Like, right. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's, yeah. It's it's the fad, though. I mean, it honestly, writing that character that way in the modern day would be like, oh yeah. And then he went down to his basement to go into his sensory deprivation chamber. Yeah. Or yeah, he went into his cryo chamber to like freeze yeah. for twenty minutes. Yeah. 
like that kind of shit. Yeah. So, goddamn. Okay, so the way if you want to help someone obviously drain those fluids, or you could change their diet if you don't want to be so quick. And then that diet could increase the other humors that they have to bring everything back into balance again. Right. Right. There's two ways, right? You could drain yeah. the one that's excessive or you could raise the others to that bring level. Up. Right. So I, if I remember right, mm-hmm. red meat was supposed to help with blood, wasn't it? Yes, of course. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what, what the other, what the other ones were. Like what, what did you do to bring your bile up? Uh, it was uh, more acidic foods. Um, you oh, okay. have things that had like tannis in them and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So yeah. red things wine. that basically burned going down. Like oh. if you had anything spicy, okay. that would be choleric food. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but also over time, uh, it was a regular thing for doctors to recommend bloodletting. Yeah. Obviously bleeding it out, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or purging, puking it out. So they give you an emetic, right? Uh, or catharsis pooping it out right or diuresis peeing it out i, I am i am never gonna look at, at uh greek tragedy again the <laughs> same way after 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 hearing catharsis being used as, right. as wow he really took a like, shit on the stage i know yeah, such a method yeah. actor so amazing yeah <laughs> so but yeah there's only so many holes and there's only so many yeah. fluids so you can yeah. only have so many seasons you know yeah. Now, the thing is, if we fast forward to the mid 1600s, so we've gone forward about 2000 years. Yeah. There were also other theories out there at the time, but this one held on. Uh, like I said, it led to the death of George Washington as they bled more than 40% of his blood volume out of him to draw out the fevered blood. And like I said, they raked his neck with dried beetle carapaces to drain the pus and they gave him an enema, obviously. Um, and so like in his final 12 hours, he leaked every fluid out of his body. Oh my God. Yeah. And I kind of don't mind considering how shitty a person he was when it came to slavery. Like a lot of people yeah. lionized him still. And that's, that's all well yeah. and good. Yeah, but yeah. like, you know, but, and, and, but, and I get yeah. it. I, I like Led Zeppelin, but you know, that, that doesn't excuse you know, bringing 13 years, year olds on tour with you. Um, and, and same thing here, like, yeah. you know, practicing yeah. your bloodletting, like Washington was a big proponent of bloodletting and he practiced it on his enslaved, uh, population. Yeah. Regularly. Yeah. Um, but back to humorism, it well, was, it yeah. was to medicine. What trigonomic tree is to triangles. I think because I slept through that class. Um, but okay. it, it sounds good. Um, yeah. All right. By the mid 1800s, humorism was more and more seen as archaic, though, and not in line with what they were doing. Um, okay. now this is this is still well before doctors agreed that germ theory was the thing and that they should wash their fucking hands. Um, yeah. They still believed in miasma, uh, but they also didn't believe that it upset the balance of fluids in the body anymore. So, you know, progress. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But humorism is still very influential amongst people who were not as scientifically inclined, so like literally everyone else. Yeah. Um and with people who spoke with the authority that silence science would allow, so snake charmers um mm, or snake mm-hmm. oil salesmen. Now, according to the theory of the four temperaments, which absolutely outgrew out of all of this, 
One's personality was therefore inherent and tied to these humors, tied to the seasons, and tied to how one was conceived. Okay. I believe you would call this a form of essentialism. Yes. Okay. So one's mood could be impacted by a number of things, and a holistic approach would be required. So far, I'm on board. Yeah. For example, we all know that the springtime is not the time to be overly sanguine, as it's already a sanguine time. So too much blood in the body could lead to seizure and an apoplectic fit or just mania. Thus, to eliminate the excesses of blood one finds in the spring, like you do, people were advised to lower their intake of blood-rich foods like red meat. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Begging the question is a thing. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, uh, we could start with, we all know that springtime is not the time to be overly sanguine. <laughs> yeah, do so, like, yeah, because it's I'm a sorry, sanguine but after, time. Like, but like, like after after winter is over, I want to get as far away from my seasonal effective depression as I possibly can. So yeah, but would you eat I a ton of red cheerful. meat in the spring, or would you eat a ton of red meat in the winter? Let's be real. And the reason you're eating a ton of red meat in the winter is obviously because you want to be more yes. sanguine. When you know it's it's time to be melancholic, or would you eat a ton or, of red meat? Yeah. Yes, the answer <laughs> is yes. Like I don't. <laughs> what there's I there's there's wah 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 after that. I don't understand. <laughs> so that's <laughs> like okay, cool. Man, it's it's so funny yeah. how different we are in so many ways. Like I, I don't remember the last time. My kids had to have cooked something that had red well, meat. Well, yeah, in it, but I, I it's could. So I rare probably, that I eat red meat. Yeah, I, I could go into your Facebook feed and go like, "Oh yeah, no, your your kids cooked, you know, <laughs> right? This 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 set of chops, or right. you know, chili with you know beef in it, or something, you know." So, if someone had a natural tendency toward being or acting too happy, then mm-hmm. they have too much blood, and they are just sanguine as fuck. So we're going to take away their red meat, and that'll obviously make them less happy. Exactly, and you might like need to bleed instantly. Them too. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. And and because if 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 diet doesn't help, and moving to somewhere that's more dry and colder in the springtime doesn't help, then you're going to have to bleed them. Jesus Christ. And if a person leans toward oh, being too. Okay angry or acting too angry then they must have too much yellow bile in their system making them choleric yeah which out the spicy foods well no less mutton oh (laughs) (laughs) very specific hold on yes (laughs) like like beef obviously that's sanguine mutton though yeah that's that's for the choleric what i guess because it's a little gamey I I guess yeah, and depending on the button, it could be more than a little gamey. But sure, like, sure. what? I mean, and and obviously you're gonna have them cut out, you know, chili peppers and anything spicy. Like take right, all the pepper right. out of their food, clearly. Yeah. And I guess tell them to cut back on booze. I don't know. I don't like, know. I just know you get get rid of the mutton and then you move them to a wet and cold area because that'll help. Oh, yeah, that would make me a lot less angry. Right, I was going to say, one thing that makes people less angry is if they live in (laughs) London. 
Yeah. Very um, healthy. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say no. And if they're well, in London, and yeah. if they're in London, and they gotta yeah. move someplace colder and wetter, right? Oh, great! So we're gonna send them up to the Orkneys, right? Because right. like, in order was, to get colder and wetter than London, right. where, where the hell are you gonna go? Well, I was it, it, like, name a Scotsman who's just known for not being angry, <laughs> like, who's, who's known for being phlegmatic, right? So uh, it, uh, that's not the stereotype of that culture, no, uh, friend, nor of that weather, like, um, like no. Although, uh, what's her name? The 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 English author. Um, who wrote about the Moors, not the people, but like the 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 foggy places out? Oh, the... uh, um, was it Emily Dickinson? Emily no, Post, no, Dickinson was Angie an American. Dickinson. Emily Bronte. Emily Bronte, Bronte. Yes. Yeah. Um, she wasn't Best known name. for being angry, so I guess it kind of counts. You know, you're going to depress them instead of anger them. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, uh, so wait, melancholic was. Oh, we're not warm, there yet. Warm yeah. and wet. Uh, melancholic is let me let me go back. Uh, if you're melancholic, cold and dry, cold okay, because it's a tunnel, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. So, if one keens more toward being or acting sad, then they clearly have too much black bile in their system, making them melancholic. So, why don't you help their spleen and get them a humidifier? I couldn't find the dietary yeah. necessities yeah. for that one either. Um, now, if a person tends to being uh, or acting too calm or too reserved. Or or lethargic. Right. Then it's clear know. that they have too much phlegm in their bodies, making right. them phlegmatic. So get them somewhere dry and hot or feed okay. them foods that purge the phlegm. So lots of spice. Okay, that you know the the that at least makes a little bit of sense. Yeah, like when I was stuffy faced, I would get soup from a Thai Thai uh, yeah, restaurant. Yeah, yeah, you know, get so. some get some really good Mexican food. Go to an Indian place. Mm-hmm. You know, interestingly, mm-hmm. saying that, um, it does make a lot of the racist assumptions of colonizers in regard to people from the global south make a lot more sense yes it does these things are not they're uh, not unlinked yeah (laughs) they're not just bumping into each other yeah all right and of course all of these things about your personality can be foretold by how you were conceived Think back to when your dad and your mom were raw dogging it. Right. Right. I really don't want to, but after okay. your dad came. Right. <laughs> so post ejaculation. Now, if at that point the womb was warm and moist, isn't it always like, wait a minute, hold on. Like this is a this is an organ inside a human body. I I think that the British would have found a way to dry a woman up that far. Um, Okay. Like, (laughs) if anybody could. Right. You know. um, So. So. so, Post-ejaculation. If your womb is warm and moist, then there's going to be a preponderance of blood in there. And that means the child will be sanguine in nature. 
And that, of course, means you have a higher incidence of a kid being a ginger, of course, as one would expect. Oh, that's part of it? Really? Evidently. So okay. I took this to mean now maybe I'm I'm looking at this through okay. Damien colored glasses here. I took this to mean if you took really good of your could good care of your partner first. Yeah. Multiple times. And yeah. then you came, you would make a ginger child. Okay. Um that's like that's brag that all I have ever based on that's 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 applying modern scientific understanding of what what's the right term sexology as you know mo- modern understanding of, of how those how how those right. mechanisms work in the body right taking taking our mo- that's that's kind of presentism because you're a little bit <laughs> you're well, uh the you french know. if you go back to like medieval france they believed that if a woman didn't have an orgasm she couldn't conceive oh that was actually that was widespread more. yeah that was that was widespread uh Which it wasn't just, just that wasn't to, just the french but it just led to a bunch of guys going you came right like nobody actually took the time yeah. to figure it out no, yeah just, nobody you yeah, did come no. yeah yeah um and so, and that also led to the idea that uh <laughs> has reappeared in in statements by american politicians of course right within oh, that's right. within yeah. our our lifetime that you know um it, it, if if a woman became pregnant then it couldn't have been rape right right which is like oh my god fuck so you certainly not a legitimate so one yeah yeah <laughs> jesus um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the condition of the womb mm-hmm. could be anything but warm and moist. It's, it's, it's an in, I'm still stuck on the fact that it's an internal organ. Like, right. Right. Like the definition is it's a, it's a, it's a squishy bit inside somebody's body. Like, I think, I think there is no place. It. Right. Their idea of it was, though, that it was some sort of a cavern where the baby would grow into it instead of like, I mean, it would expand. Yeah. You know, like the literature back then talked of women as a vessel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I know. I know. And in the in the original, the earliest idea didn't uh, the earliest understanding of human procreation didn't take into account the fact that there was, in fact, an egg cell. Right. You know, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I get all of that, but still just <laughs> you. Yeah. You mean to tell me somebody can have a cold and dry spot? Well, you've read inside Emily their body. Well, OK, yeah, <laughs> I just, that was her soul, not her, <laughs> not her uterus. Like, right. Well, uh, according to the British, you know, it's probably in the same spot, so. Yeah, okay, I mean, yeah, yeah, you know. Now, naturally, from to hear here, them talk about it, yeah, yeah. Naturally, from here came the influence of astrology on the humors as well, um, okay. because uh, everybody wanted to know, you know, what that connection was, uh, which of course led to English botanist Nicholas Culpepper. Um, some folks, according to Culpepper, uh, depending on the humor balance of their wombs at the time and on what was going on astrologically. It could mean that some folks came out with a single nature and others with a dual nature. Like you might be both sanguine and melancholic, depending on the admixture of the womb and where Scorpio was in the sky. Thus, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Thus, a melancholic and phlegmatic folks tended toward introversion, 
whereas the other two are largely extroverts. But I obviously don't need to tell you this. It's as clear as the retrograde on Uranus. I'm I mature, very mature of you. That makes that's that's yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, um, so so uh, now now we're roping astrology into this. Well, yeah, like if you're gonna go, <laughs> I mean, I mean duh, yeah, yes. you know, if <laughs> if if ghosts and go aliens, pseudo. there is no there is no in between. Right. Like right. Yeah, if you're gonna go, <laughs> one, you're gonna go, you're gonna pseudo, go, go all pseudo, go all the way yeah. pseudo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, never go full pseudoscience. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, speaking as an Aries with with what is uh, moving in the direction of being a semi-permanent, uh, you know, sinus congestion condition right now. Mm. Uh, because of the, so it's, extra it's phlegmatic. Changing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't, <laughs> I, I really don't want to think about what the advice I would get from a, from a doctor would be as to, right. you know, what I need to spend my time doing to fix this. Um, and there'd be some I, things you just can't overcome. I mean, if, if yeah. you know, if your mom's womb was both dry and warm, uh, you know, right after your dad came in her yeah. um, all those years ago, then yeah. You know, and and who knows how sanguine he was at the time. Like, there's just all kinds of things. And then, I would course, imagine he was pretty sanguine. I'm gonna <laughs> say, across yeah. across most circumstances, yeah. uh, that that particular input, we can we can yeah. mark that on the on the one would hope on the equation. It's yeah, one, one, one would, would really say, hope. One would hope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, king yeah. and country. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But also, you know, you got to figure out where, you know, uh, Draco was in the sky at the time of your conception. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, yeah. There's so many bad ideas wrapped up in this altogether. You like, think? Oh, my God. It, th this is my unified <laughs> field theory of what are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wow. Okay. But it all leads to uh, four radical dudes. So, yeah. So um, there we go. I'm happy. All right. Yeah. So and yes, if you were wondering, is there a way of explaining temperament, uh, and and does that way in make its way into the Kirzy temperament sorter, uh, also known as the KTS? And of course, the answer is yes. Uh, and the, um, the, the, the Kirzy temperament sorter is the precursor to the Myers Briggs test that was so hot in the 1990s. Right. Okay. Yeah, and Kirzy is where we really see the temperament divisions that use terms like Apollonian, Dionysian, uh, Epimethean, and Promethean. Mm -hmm. um, and he further broke those down into artisan, guardian, idealist, and rational, and each with its own yeah. subclass. Um, and the thing is, I love taxonomies like this because I love D&D. And similar yeah. to D&D, these are made up entirely out of whole cloth, and I don't really have any basis or fact or evidence or data to substantiate these things yeah 
Yeah. Now I am getting ahead of myself. There will be yeah. more on this in the next episode. Uh, in fact, we're coming to a close on this one because we're okay. hitting the perfect break spot soon. Yeah. Um, historically, though, we do need to get uh, looking at the applications that were actually put into place of humorism um, okay. and, and temperamentism. Uh, there's plenty of philosophers that use these categories as a way to describe things about the human experience. That makes some sense. You go with archetypical things. And it seems to me that it's it, it's if it's literally intuitive and fits good narratives, then philosophers and smart folks in the 1600s forward will especially dig it and not not question it as much, making it a blind spot for their own introspection on their yeah. own thinking and its possible fallibility. And thus they would codify it in a model that otherwise would make plenty of sense. Immanuel Kant uh, drew upon humorism to mm. explain metaphysics and morality okay. and the nature of man and so forth. Uh, similarly to how we use Freudian models now, which are also terribly wrong in data parched, but also they work for lit theory in all kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we use those to explain the same thing. So like it's, it's one of those things of like, it's, completely wrong and yet it works as a model yeah and outside of outside of philosophy there's also the influence on literature mm -hmm. um the entire genre of humor yes is is rooted in humorism mm -hmm. uh you know because hey look at the look at the wacky circumstances that happen when we take uh the choleric and we throw him in a room with the phlegmatic and they have to find a way to do X. That's actually a type of play. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And yeah. I, I believe I cover this toward cover it toward the end. Um, if not, okay. it, it ends up showing up in a different podcast. Soon. Yeah. Um, okay. but, <laughs> um, it's actually a type of play of like, and, yeah. and it honestly, it reminds me speak going all the way back to the beginning. Speaking of Twilight Zone episodes, the uh, four strangers uh, stuck in a room. You had the right. ballerina, the soldier, the, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and on and on. Um, yeah. it, it, yep. It's very similar. Or that episode of Star Trek where they're all trapped. Um, you know, you've got the anarchist, Jean-Luc Picard, the collaborator, and then the person from Starfleet who is the plant, you know. Yeah. And you, you've got, again, you've got these four things, you know, and it yeah. keeps yeah, coming yeah. up. It, it's yeah. a great way to create ensemble casts. It's a great way to pair off two wacky concepts and stick them together mm -hmm. and that's yeah. why it becomes a genre mm -hmm. and and famously of course shakespeare wrote uh every man in his humor mm -hmm. being one of his lesser known lesser performed comedies i was gonna say i don't i don't actually i thought that was a line from a play mm -mm. no that's that's mm -hmm. actually a, a play that he wrote mm-hmm yeah, I mean, he didn't, have to he didn't write all bangers, I'll tell you that. Well, you know, he swung for the fences every time. Yeah, and that the, means that when Reggie he missed, Jackson he of, really yeah. whiffed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The like. Reggie Jackson of, of playwrights. Yes. So, now, this doesn't mean that such things cannot apply to education and impact education. In fact, the more intuitive and data parched that they are, the more that we can apply them. Which yeah. is why yeah. I'm going to stop yeah. before I get to Jeremy Irons' lookalike, Rudolf Steiner. Okay. So next episode, I'm going to pick up with the Austrian occultist, Rudolf Steiner. So you know shit's going to start off great. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Steiner. Yeah. yeah. All right. So <sighs> you gleaned anything or you want to just uh, 
skip ahead to the recommendations. <laughs> um, <clears throat> just that this is one of those um, archetypes that it's been around so long. We don't, we don't recognize that it has a source. Correct. If that makes sense. Like, you know, the, the idea of, you know, the four, the four archetypes bouncing off Mm -hmm. of each other, the, the idea that we have, you know, some kind of, some kind of a template Mm -hmm. for our personality that, that we all, you know, match up with like a Jungian archetype. Um, I mean, we, we know it predates Jung because he was drawing it from somewhere. Right. You know, um, these things that we don't, we don't consider what the actual source of them was. It's, it's, it's nice to know. No, no, we know where this one starts. We can, we can pin this, we can pin this one down in the historical record to this guy, mm-hmm. this guy right here. Trace it right through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, which feels very satisfying (laughs) to me that we're, it's going to work its way through some of the weirdest spots. You're going to be like, oh shit, that too. So like, it'll be like, oh, there's, there's okay. Damien's not going off on some weird conspiracy tangent where he's connecting things that shouldn't be connected despite all of his data. Um, but this time you're going to be like, oh, God damn it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like you drip spaghetti sauce down the hall and didn't realize how many times it dripped on the carpet. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. Yeah. That's it pretty much for me. Well, what are you, uh, what are you recommending as far as reading goes? Um, I'm not going to recommend reading. Okay. I'm I'm actually going to recommend that uh, audiences, our our audience um, find um, somewhere online um, I'm not sure what streaming services might might have it available, but I recommend strongly that you look for either uh, Super Dimensional Fortress Macross, mm. uh, subbed, preferably just because I'm I'm that kind of purist, uh, dubbed if you can't find it subbed, or go back and watch, find somewhere online and watch the first season of Robotech. Okay. Because it's it's the same animation, but with altered storylines uh, being involved. Um, the the bigger uh, departures between source material and American adaptation get bigger when you go further down the road of Robotech series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm recommending that because um, I am that's that's my next topic is going to have to do with that. And on top of that, um, any excuse to go back and watch uh, the Macross saga, I, I highly recommend. It's, it's an amazing example of what Japanese animators were doing in the early 80s. Um, it's a great example of the real robot genre mm-hmm. um, within giant robot animation. And... Um, my i'll never forget my father watched a couple of episodes of it with me when i was nine and uh he he at the end of like the second episode he said all right they did a really good job of making that not look like a soap opera Hmm. even though it totally is one like (laughs) and i was so offended but it's it's totally true so (laughs) 
Uh, that's my recommendation. Find either Superdimensional Fortress Macross, if you can, or the first season of Robotech, the Macross saga. So, okay. What about you? Uh, I'm going to actually recommend something that is accessible um, because I, I did a quick search. None of those things are available on any streaming service that I could find. Um, seriously? You Seriously. So they will have to buy pissed. them. All right. Um, well, that sucks. Yeah. All right. So, well, but mine my is bad. actually going to be tied to what we're just talking about here. Uh, go watch the first season of Bad Batch. Uh, okay. See yeah. a lot of humorism. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Um, where can they find this podcast? Uh, well, uh, they've already found it uh, for one thing, but if they want to find it again, um, we can be found on the Apple Podcast app or on Spotify. And of course, we have our website, wubbawubbawubba.geekhistorytime.com. Wherever it is that you have found us, um, please hit the subscribe button. Please give us the five star review that you know. Damien's meticulous research uh, deserves. Uh, also, it'll help him uh, maintain his humors and uh, prevent the the black bile from overcoming him. Uh, we we don't want him becoming any more melancholic than he already is. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, cool. those those are the places that I know uh, we can be found. I will say there is a place I can be found. Oh, okay. Um, I have I have uh left the hellscape that is Twitter. Good for you. And uh, I can be found on Blue Sky if you have somehow managed to find an invitation uh to Blue Sky. I can be found there at E H Blaylock on Blue Sky. So if you have anything you want to yell at Damien about, you can message me there, and I will yell at him for you. There we go. Gladly. And of course, March 1st at the Comedy Spot, Capital Punishment, making its triumphant return. So get your tickets now. Hell yes. All right. Well, for Geek History of Time, I'm Damien Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, cowabunga, dudes.